what's the hardest thing about writing? Well, it's getting started. Maybe you're having a hard time coming up with a story idea, or you're stuck on where to take your story next. If you want a way into a story or a way through, I have nine story starters to help you. This free PDF is full of story seeds and prompts to get you going. To download your nine story starters, go to nancypinuccio.com forward slash start. That's Nancy with an I, Pinuccio with two C's, nancypinuccio.com forward slash start. There's a lot of writing wisdom we can glean from the greats. So today I'm going to share some of my favorite quotes from the masters, including Hemingway, Sondheim, and Tolstoy. And then I'm going to riff on these quotes and mind them for the wisdom and the inspiration they offer on writing technique and the writing process. Let's go. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Writing is solitary, and if you're anything like me, you like to dip into some inspiration from time to time to give you a creative boost, a mindset shift, or deeper insight into the writing craft. Writers that came before us can be our greatest companions on our road to writing our stories. So much of our progress depends on how we feel about our ability to do the work and how we feel about the work itself. So today I'm going to pull some of my favorite quotes and I'm going to unwrap them. And I'm going to start with character. I'm going to kick this off with a quote by Hemingway. As a writer, you should not judge, you should understand. You don't want to get shackled by your own preconceived notions or your preconceived judgments about your characters. You want to reach beyond the status quo. Now, this is especially true for your villains. In fact, I think it's better to write without any thoughts of villains at all. Because here's the thing. Everyone feels justified in some way in doing what they do even if it's something you would never fathom doing. As a writer, you still want to connect something that's true for you. It's not what a character does, it's why they do it. We can almost always connect with the why, even if we can't connect with the what. 
For example, we can't begin to fathom a mother drowning her baby, but we can understand the urge to protect that baby from a life of slavery. We can't get on board with a father covering up the evidence of a hit-and-run accident in which a young boy dies, but we can understand the urge to protect his only daughter. So then the question becomes, how do you connect? Well, I had a great mentor, Diane Leffer, and she once said this, we all have a killer inside. We all have a saint inside. We have the cop and the robber inside. We have everything big and everything small. We all have a side to us that's in shadow. We don't act it out in real life, but we do have primitive urges. Now, actors tap into this all the time. I recently watched an interview with the actress Sarah Paulson, who plays Linda Tripp on the true crime series Impeachment. Now, this is based on that infamous Clinton Lewinsky scandal that happened in the late 90s. And Linda Tripp secretly recorded Monica Lewinsky's confidential phone calls about her relationship with President Clinton. Now, she definitely betrayed her. She got her trust. She befriended her. She used the tapes then to confirm the affair. She even encouraged Monica to not dry clean that infamous blue dress. She encouraged her to ask the president for a job, to use a messenger service to send him letters, all to build a body of evidence against the president. So there was was this sustained deception. Now, Tripp claimed that her motives were purely patriotic. She saw herself as a truth teller. And you know what? I can see this. I can honestly see that she felt that she was doing something noble. But Tripp was portrayed as a villain. She wasn't portrayed as the hero. She was portrayed as the villain of that impeachment scandal. Now, Sarah Paulson, who played Linda Tripp, says that she thinks Linda was certainly a victim of being caught up in a machine. And she said, don't get me wrong, she put the gas in the car, she put the keys in the ignition, and then she started driving. She put her foot on the pedal. But then it's like a runaway train. And she went on to say, I will never think that what she did was right, far from it, but I do have a greater understanding as to the why. So to get underneath your characters, to understand what they do, you have to understand why they do it. Now, Sarah Paulson delved into this very formative event in Tripp's upbringing. And you know what that was? Her father's affair. So the fact that Clinton was deceiving his wife, Hillary, triggered her. But here's the thing. No one is pure evil. So don't judge. Try to understand. Okay, here's another quote. And this is from Leo Tolstoy. 
The best stories don't come from good versus bad, but good versus good. So you always want to start with the premise that all your characters are basically good. Even the characters who are giving your protagonist hell, they feel justified in what they're doing. They're just in pain. Now, your protagonist is also in pain. Your protagonist is in some kind of trouble that he needs to ease or deal with. And your villain, your antagonist, is also in pain. So both your protagonist and your antagonist have the same backstory, pain. The only difference is in how they respond to their pain. Your antagonist says, I'm in pain. The world hurt me. And the only way to heal my pain is to inflict that pain on the rest of the world. Your protagonist says, I'm in pain, but the pain stops here. I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. Now, This doesn't mean that your protagonist doesn't make bad choices or immoral choices or foolish choices. It's just that he feels the consequences of his or her actions. Even Lolita's Humbert, who's basically a pedophile, by the end of the story, he comes to terms with how much damage he caused. Your antagonist probably won't transform in that way, but your protagonist will. So don't judge, try to understand. Okay, let's move on to craft. When Broadway composer Stephen Sondheim was asked about his creative process, this is what he said. If you told me to write a love song tonight, I'd have a lot of trouble. But if you tell me to write a love song about a girl with a red dress who goes into a bar and is on her fifth martini and is falling off her chair, that's a lot easier. And it makes me free to say anything I want. So as writers, we deal with big ideas right? Like war and death and betrayal. And we write about powerful emotions, grief, fear, love, exhilaration, rage. However, as Sondheim points out, if we write a story about something as ethereal as love, let's say, without anchoring it in the physical world, we have a really hard time writing the story. We have a hard time getting absorbed into the story. But what's more, we don't create this vivid fictional dream that plays across the reader's mind. So you want to bring your reader into a tactile world, a world they can land in, a world they can touch and put their hands all over, a world they can see, hear, smell, and taste. So the idea is to think big, but write small. Love on its own, or war, or death on its own is abstract. The reader 
can understand the concept of love or war or rage or fear, but they can't feel it. The thing is you can't create thought with thought or emotion with emotion. Everything needs to have a body. You have to give the reader a place to land. So you want to make your sentences more muscular. Now, I'm thinking of a story by John Cheever, and I can't remember the name of this story, but it's about a man whose wife has left him, taking his two children with her. Now, there's a point in the story where he sees a woman walking down the street and he grabs onto her ankle. It's a busy city street and he grabs onto her ankle and doesn't let go. And she's this stranger, right? But he's driven to a very irrational act born out of his grief over the loss of his wife and children. So he's in this large house by himself. And then later in the story, towards the end, he sees his children's dirty fingerprints on the wall and he sinks to the floor, touching those fingerprints. So his grief is made concrete. It's not this abstract thing. I'm also thinking of the documentary about the scientist who discovered the Titanic in 1985. Now, he said that the thing that struck him, the thing that he can't forget ever, is not the sight of the sunken ship, which of course must have been extraordinary, but the hundreds of shoes strewn across the ocean floor in pairs. So, in your stories, you want to be concrete and precise. What kind of shoes? Are they spats? Are they boot style shoes made of colored velvet and silk? You want to get as precise as you can. This not only helps your reader be more physically and emotionally involved in your story, it helps you become more emotionally and physically involved in the writing. So think big, write small. Here's another quote by Stephen Sondheim. Every writer I've ever spoken to feels fraudulent in some way or other. This is true from the novice to the widely published. There is always a point where we reach an impasse and we think, if I was a real writer, I'd be able to write this book easily. But the thing is, it's so hard to get things on paper. It's hard to transfer the story that's so vivid in our mind onto the page. Even when you're widely published, even the greats feel like a beginner all over again with each new book. They have the same insecurities. Yes, even your favorite authors struggle. They struggle just like everybody else. You get to see the finished product, but you don't see the self-doubt, the crushing self-doubt, the frustration, and all the despair that went into the production of that story. Best-selling authors sometimes think their best work is behind them, or maybe they're just a one-book wonder. 
where maybe you're finally going to write that book, you, you're finally committing to doing it, but then you think, geez, there are all these great books out there and all these great authors, and you have your favorites, right? And so now you're feeling small. You're the little guy, and you're thinking, who am I to write this book? So this is self-judgment. It's actually, it's self-rejection. And what's happening is when you have these feelings, you're projecting it onto the work. You're projecting it onto your story. Your progress is being stunted because of your own feelings about your worth. This is a form of self-censorship. Writing isn't any easier than learning to play piano or dance ballet with the Joffrey. It takes time. It's taking you time to write that novel because it's supposed to. You're not supposed to have it all figured out. This is part of the fun. And this will be true for every new story you write. Every story you write will present some level of struggle. So support and encourage yourself in that struggle. That struggle is just part of the deal. So don't judge it. So here are three big ideas I want you to walk away with. Number one, both your protagonist and your antagonist are driven by wounds. So your task as a writer is to understand, never judge. Number two, think big, write small. And number three, Every story you write will present some level of struggle. It might present a big level of struggle. This is good. It's natural and it's necessary. So support and encourage yourself in that struggle. Give yourself some grace. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Writer Unleashed. If this episode resonated with you, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews are key to keeping Writer Unleashed on the top of the charts where other writers can find us. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, join us on our private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. It's totally free to join. And if you want more free resources, plus writing tips, I only share an email. Sign up over at nancypinuccio.com. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Till then, keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.